Welcome back to the Mario Mancini show with special guest, former <laughs> WCW and WWF wrestler Casey Thompson, otherwise known as Mike Casey at times at WWF as well. Welcome to the show. Yeah, you know, Mike Casey, Carl Robinson, uh, Casey Thompson. Depends where you're at. You know, you know it's not my damn show. That is your show. Uh, you know, it says your name on the bottom of it. Someday something's going to go wrong on that on this show, and you're going to go, hey, it's not my show, it's his. Well, yeah, you came on. You came. You came on barking orders like it was your show. No, not me. <laughs> not me. Uh-uh. So, listen. So, what year and where did you break in? Um, nineteen eighty-eight ish. Um, with um down in Florida, with um right after you remember um. Florida Championship Wrestling was bought out by Crockett. Then Dusty tried to start back. Then Dusty left, and Curran, Curran and Graham tried to keep it running. Yeah. At the same time, um, a guy named by the name of Jerry Gray, Golden Boy Jerry Gray, which I'm sure everyone's heard of him, which they love him or they hate him. Uh, I just treat people how they treated me. He always treated me well and took an interest in me. And um, he was a great hand. And he's the one who trained me. And then um, I um, he put me with uh, Bugsy McGraw every every night to get broken in with. And that was a uh, um, a whole new uh, schooling lesson of its own. You know, when I'm hitting him as hard as I can, he's like, harder, kid. Hit me harder, kid. And I'm like, I, I can't hit you any harder. <laughs> <laughs> harder that's, kid that's bugsy yeah and then um i was i had the privilege of uh i, I was mentored by blackjack mulligan um me and jack were very, very close friends jack ran a school when eddie mansfield ran his um uh iwf down here in florida they had a school which a lot of guys came out of that you know billy gunn came out of it um you know from back then i i helped run jack's school Became real close with him, and then um, real good friend. And then Kevin Sullivan was one of my uh, mentors. Which, when he was, you know, on the booking committee or the head booker for WCW, whenever they did any like the, um, this is way years after, um, you know, I started, you know, doing, uh, you know, TV with uh, WCW. We start off every Monday at Center Stage on Monday and Tuesday. We hit somewhere within 250 miles of there. Um, when we then when they decided when Eric Bischoff came in, they decided to bring everything down to Universal or, or started off at MGM Disney, and uh, Kevin Kevin was uh, had to book then, so he just booked me and everything, hooked me up with Jimmy Hart and Paul Orndorff, which were their was uh, their assistants, and um, so Paul took a liking to me, which. Um, uh, I don't think it was a great thing, but Paul, he would, after every match, you know, I was the one he was waiting for behind the curtain to, you know, yell at and scream. And I was like, I was like getting like kind of depressed, like, man, I, I know I can work. I had never had a uh, disbelief in my ability to be able to go out there and do what I needed to do. But I was always like, man, what? Every, I said, I'm having great matches, and every time I come back, you know, either it's a squash match or you got nine minutes with someone good, so you get to get all your, your stuff in and everything. But um, 
a guy by the name of uh, remember Mike Enos. Um, he was one of the Beverly Brothers. Okay, Mike. Um, not um, what was his uh, um, partner's name? <laughs> um, Wayne uh, Wayne Bloom. He's he'd always say, "I'm not I'm not the asshole." It was Wayne. It wasn't me. You know, Mike. Uh, me, Mike, and uh, Jerry Lynn used to room. Well, I used to uh, sponge off of their rooms and uh, room with them a lot. And Mike was just a a character of his own. Is just, I mean, he was just, he's very underrated, underappreciated worker, you know, very basic worker that could have been the next uh, Stone Cold. You know, he was, he was that good and had that size, that body and everything. And he, and he, he would hear Paul yelling. I'm like, I walk away and say, Hey, come here, man. He's like, let me tell you something. If Paul didn't care about you, he wouldn't be saying a word to you afterwards. I promise you that. And, and I'm like, okay. So, but Kevin was instr- instrumental in, you know, me getting really good paydays. And he, he, you know, Jimmy, he would tell Jimmy, he said, Jimmy, listen, he's not here to sit around because WWF, you remember the days where it's a, it was a $150 payoff and you wrestle three shows and you still got $150, right? With WCW. Huh? You got one fifty for TV. Oh well, see, I'm not as old as you, so that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> I got. Um, well, I got one. I got not to jump around. I got one uh, back in the my first time. I told uh, I told this last time I was on my first. The way I got in with WWF was I went with um, a friend of mine. Uh, did both uh, died? Two brothers, John and Scott Allen, and they were booked for uh, we were doing Biloxi, Pensacola Biloxi double shot, right? And so I went with them, just trying to get my face seen, try to get in there, right? And Tony Gria came up saying, "Who can take LOD's finish? Who can take their finish?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's easy, I can." He's like, "Well, you, you're working them tonight." I said, "I'm not even booked." He's like, "Well, you are now, kid." I said, "Okay." So they walked away, and I was like, "What is their finish?" I had no clue it was the doomsday device and but I was confident in my wrestling that I can do anything, you know. So um the match the match went well. One little blip from um it was um it was I think Animal used to do the power slam. I was real fast and small then and I'd come off the ropes fast and I, I even warned him and you know, we talked to it afterwards and the referee said, No, nah, you you couldn't hold him because we ended up Looked like I cross-bodied him over the top rope. Um, but I did it. I pushed off the top. And they said, just sit on the shoulders. We're going to give you the Iggy. And then, um, you know, we'll flip you over. We'll flip you over. And, you know, you'll do the backflip and that. Real easy. And it was an easy bump. But I, I always like to do a little extra, a little something special. Just try to stand out. Because, as you know, as I will do, if they want to call us a job guy, an enhancement guy, extra guy, the way we made ourselves stand out is by taking outlacious bumps or different things like that where people would remember us. So I pushed off his head, and I ended up doing one, two, three, and landed on my belly. And it was on the open for, like, every SummerSlam, WrestleMania, everything for the, all going up that whole year. And um, it was a piece of cake. I didn't feel it. After that, I got booked all the time. They, I was 18 years old, okay? 
I wasn't even old enough to rent a car. They would send me vouchers, okay, which is a WWE credit card, basically. They rented it in my name for me. I'd go pick up the car. I'd bring a couple guys with me, and then uh, they would take care of us. And then um, you remember from Alabama, Mike Jackson? Um, uh, he's job job guy from – What year was this? Um, this was 91. But Mike Jackson has been wrestling since the 70s, 60s, 70s. He's probably still wrestling now. But he a little uh, – you've ever watched uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling? He was a real, real little guy. Um, when we were going up for, to get our payoffs, he's like, hey, uh, how are you doing your, um, your payoff? I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, if you do it this way – you know, hand in the receipts, but if you go by mileage, you're going to make, he was telling me how to make more money. He was smarting me up. I, I probably, he was only probably smart me up because he didn't want to get, you know, caught for the way he was doing it. So, uh, I listened to him and I was making, you know, 150. They were renting us town cars. We were staying in the same, we were on the same floor as Hogan, Savage, all the top, t- top tier stars. And I remember, Tony Gria going up to some of the, um, I'll say enhancement talent because I know people are sensitive about it, or let's just say other wrestlers, Not me. lower card wrestlers. And hey, brother, I'm a jobber. And, I'm a jobber. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not a, brother, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I don't. I'm not a human Viagra. I'm not enhancement. I'm not. A, you know, Viagra. No, I'm a jobber. Go ahead. <laughs> you, you know, as long as that paycheck. Cleared. I didn't care what they called me. You know, as you can tell, how many different names I've had. You call me whatever you want. I'm getting paid. I don't care. You know. So I heard Tony telling guys, "Listen, we prefer the lower card guys who maybe rent like a um, mid-sized car, and you guys to stay in maybe like a a fifty, sixty dollar a night room with four guys." But and I was doing like. And I was sitting there like, oh man, here we go. I'm gonna get I need hammered next. He never came up to me. I was I was staying the Hilton and I had a town car Cadillac every single time. Let's until now. until um a couple guys that went up with us, they decided just to play ribs the whole time. We had a brand new town car, had like ten miles on it. And the inside of it looked like it had about 300,000 miles when we got back. They, the headliner was gone. They burnt the seats. They, they super glued the key in the ignition. They super glued the, the, on high heat, the radio all the way up. And so all I did was, I was like, man, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? So what I did was, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old. I'm just a kid. So I'm like, I, I can't afford this, you know, this all, you know, so I was like, you know what? I just sent a, left a message i said uh any problems call carolyn with the world wrestling federation electric phone number and just turn the key in with that on it and um needless to say i didn't get booked for a while after that but um you know because from what i hear they had to replace that uh town car but you know you know it is what it is but going forward going forward one time i got yelled at oh for what I got st- I stayed at the Hyatt Regency one time and 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 I got yelled at for doing that. So don't ever do that again. I turned in my receipts and you know I brought up quality guys with me. I bring up 
two or three guys, enough to fit into the car where we're comfortable, and they never gave me a hard time. I don't understand why, you know. You know, I don't know. Maybe Terry Garvin liked me or something. I don't know. Terry was a great. <laughs> Terry was tremendous. He was a tremendous person to me. You know, he he. I never. You know, you hear all the accusations, which are probably, and you know, we all know they're true and, and stuff like that. And never experienced it. Not once. Um, I never experienced anything from Terry. Terry would talk to me out by the bus, and we were right at a point where they were going to start flying me to do TVs. The only experience I had was Pat, and it was probably a rib. As I was standing there, there was three of us, me and the two brothers, John and Scott Allen. He walked by John. He walked by Scott. He stopped in front of me and squared up with me and said, oh, you looked really good out there. I'm like, oh, thank you. My work looked good. He's like, no, you look good. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. And uh, he patted me on the chest like that, you know, and he said, you, you, you looked really good out there. I said, okay, I, I appreciate it, sir. And, and uh, all the guys started ribbing me. I said, I said, screw you guys. I said, I'll be the next over. I'll be the next Hulk Hogan if I wanted to. I said, but you guys see where I'm standing, don't you? I'm right here with you guys. So I don't want to hear another word out of you, you know, but, you know, it's more of a, probably a rib just to mess around than anything. Uh, you know, I had a great time up there. But fast forward to what we were saying. Um, so Kevin would tell Jimmy Hart, say, listen, because WCW would pay you every single match you had. So when we wrestled the Disney and uh, Universal tapings, they would tape three times a day, sometimes four times a day uh, for three weeks straight, right? And I would wrestle every single TV taping. So that means I was making a... Um, you know, 150, then they bumped me to 250, then I ended up getting, I finished it at 500 a match, you know, near the end and everything. So I was making a, a nice little chunk of change every, you know, three weeks. We'd be there for three weeks. And so that's when I used to, you know, hang out with the guys and, you know, stay in the hotel with uh, Jerry Lynn and um, Mike Enos and all those guys. And, you know, just, you know, it's it it great times, you know, times that we're probably never going to see again. You know, you know, the days that we've, the, the things we've experienced, they don't experience no more. They wrestle one or two days a week. How do you, how, how do you um, learn a craft? You know, if you're a welder, but we're going to let you weld twice a week, right? That's it. How are you going to become a great welder? I don't get it, you know, you know. Even you know, just practicing welding, still not going to give you the experience you need to be a great welder, like being a great wrestler, learning how to, you know, so much now has changed that they don't wrestle on the fly. They still go, they follow their, they follow their script of what they want to do that they talked about for three hours before the, the, the match, you know, man, our days, you know, you know, you react to the crowd. You know, I try to make every match of mine like a roller coaster. You know, that's, you know, so now it's like they just, no matter the crowd is into it or not, they're they're going to just do exactly what they talked about in the back because they can't. Call, I'll give you an example. We are in South America in Peru, and uh, they have the ring set up and everything. It's like 20 minutes before they're going to about to start. So I said, let me just go test the ropes real quick. 
And it was like the tallest ring I've ever seen in my life. I was literally, the apron was probably about six foot off the ground. And I'm like, so I hit the ropes. I heard crack. And I'm like, I'm doing like, oh, shit, here I go. I know I'm going down. So I, I take, um, I know I'm about to take a big bump. I take the bump into like the first or second row. And all of a sudden I see the big steel post coming at me too. So I roll out of the way. The weld broke on it. So we had to wrestle that tour without using the rope. They were able to get it back up, but we had to. So all these guys were all freaking out. We're like, just wrestle. You know, you don't have to use the ropes to wrestle. There's a million ways around it. But could you imagine that happening when half the guys that are on TV right now making all the money they're making? They can't wrestle without using the ropes or without, you know, talking or whatever. We had to just ad lib and just go with it, you know? It was it was a it was a great experience. We made it through the tour, had a great time, and you know a lot of guys came out of that experience being a better wrestler because they learned how to wrestle without one calling everything in the back and two without having to be able to touch the ropes. You know, yeah. I wrestled. A couple uh, of questions. There's a couple of oh. questions in for you there, Casey. If you want to. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. Whatever you want. I, I don't mean it. That- I don't mean to take over. No, you're grand. A good friend of Mr. Mario Mancini there, the Guardian of Chaos, is wondering what was it like to work with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Um, he was tight, you know, but that's fine. I was too, you know. Um, that's, you know, the big debate is, you know, wrestling is it's an art and you're supposed to, um, uh, you're supposed to make it look, um, you know what? Uh, this bullshit. You know what? My job is I'm a wrestler. I'm gonna lay that shit, and I came from old school. So you know the guys that broke me in, or the, some of the stiffest in the business. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm gonna protect you. But when I lay it in, it's like in a spot, your back, your your chest, or whatever. I'm not gonna break your nose. Your your, your face is sacred. But from here to here. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to lay it in, you know? Uh, but no, it was great. I mean, he, um, he was just getting back from a knee injury. Uh, we've been off for a while. He was real rusty. Um, we actually sat on the bus cause they bust us over from the hotel over to, uh, the, the studio. And, um, we didn't, we didn't know we were wrestling each other. We were just sitting by each other on the bus, just talking and stuff and everything. And, um, so I mean, we had a good match, you know. It you know made sense, you know. A couple little things in there, and um, we chained Russell a little. Um, we, you know, he, he was on top of me doing the little ten punch. I reversed it with a sunset flip. Get up. He cut me back off. Different things like that. Um, but you know, you know, it's cool, you know, to see him and see him involved to become the biggest star that he was to be able to say yeah i wrestled him you know you know definitely is uh is cool you know it's cool because you know my my kids yeah my my son just turned 20 yesterday or 13 a couple yesterday day before my daughter's 18 they didn't they didn't really watch me wrestle here just a few times over the years not nothing like that so i mean once in a while they see it or their friends to see it or my son was just at therapy for you know um his neck and his doctor's like oh i watched your your dad wrestle stone cold you know 
So, you know, it's kind of cool, you know, it makes them feel happy or proud or whatever, you know, you know, or their old man, the old man is, uh, you know, you know, done something like that. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, Bob, Bob Cook, Bob, Bob Cook is in there and he said, I worked with Casey stiff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, Bob's half lying too, though. They probably didn't see me uh, uh, throw my punch or whatever. He takes his glasses off and he's like, Where, where's, where's your curtain, you know? Now, Bob's a great worker, a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, you know he, he's, he's one that he, he takes offense of, you know, being called anything but a wrestler. And, you know, I, you know. You know, I don't have to agree with him. You know, I understand it, you know, but, you know, my validation was when I was up at WWF, Arn Anderson was an agent. And now we're jumping back, jumping up into, you know, many, many years. And Arn, Stephanie was um, walking by me, McMahon. And uh, so he said, oh, Stephanie, I want to introduce you to someone. This is Casey Thompson. He was one of the boys in Atlanta. So I meant just for Arn to, you know, say to Stephanie McMahon, one of the, you know, the bosses in the company, that I was one of the boys, you know, was just validation enough right there that, you know what, that, you know, I've been there, I've done it. And, you know, so it's, uh, that was, it was a pretty, uh, you know, cool moment. How was Strongbow with you? Um, he was better with me than he was with uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Marty Jannetty. <laughs> I told that story last time. You might have been there. Um, uh, do you remember um, the big ribs they used to pull all the time, right? Where they, um, they'd be crapping in everyone's bags, right? They got, people's that, from bags. They got that from Fuji. Yeah. Well, and when I was up there, Strongbow was still an agent, and Strongbow. You know, first, you have to realize that the, the agent that took care of me the most, like most, was Blackjack Lanza, because my mentor was Blackjack Mulligan. So he said, "Yeah, watch Lanza when he goes through the hallways. He's gonna reach up and grab his little bottle, his little flask, and take himself a little drink and then hide it." And um, we talked for a while, so you know they. You know, they did right by me and everything. You know, they knew I wasn't, they knew who I, they, I was who I said I was because the message came to them, you know, not from Joe Blow or whoever, you know, one of his old partners. But Strongbow, um, man, I watched him. I swear to God, he was going to kill Shawn Michaels or Marty Giannetti you know, because they, they shit in his bag. And it was so it was so bad that you we'd walk in, you'd change, you'd go to or you walk in and go to cater and you'd eat, you go to the locker room, you change, you take your bag, you walk everyone's walking around carrying their bags. And you go to wrestle, you go take your bag out to the grill position, drop it there, you go wrestle, you come back, you get your bag. Your bag never left your pro, left your, your person unless it was there with gorilla. Because you're afraid that they're gonna, they're the one of the someone's gonna pull a rib on it, you know. And um, but one night they got his bag and he was gonna he was gonna kill him. 
I mean, he was going to he literally kill um, whoever it was, Marty Jannetty or Shawn Michaels. I can't tell you which one it was or it was both of them. But, yeah, he was always cool to me. Uh, you know, I I went up there, I, you know, I just did my thing. I was respectful. I said hello to everyone, shook everyone's hand. You know, I'd wait for the board to come. You know how it is. You wait for the board to come out to see. And there would be like maybe wrestle three, what, three hours back then? Because there were so many syndicated shows and stuff like that. And um, you'd wait and see, and you'd hope that you're on first hour and not the rest of it before you can get, get your payday and get out of there, you know, get to the next town or whatever. What is Bob saying? He said, I'm so glad I wasn't liked enough for ribs like that. You know, I'd ask... <laughs> I'd ask Strongbow to put me on all three hours. He said, Chief, put me out there three times. It's happened a couple of times where they make a mistake and how to watch a show, which you know how it was. You're always on the road going somewhere. So you, and back those days, it was all um, uh, VCRs and stuff like that. So you'd have to make sure someone taped it for you at home or, or something like that. So a lot of the stuff, I didn't even get to see because, you know, I was wrestling when, it, you know, TV was airing. So, yeah, of course. I mean, still to this day, I'll, I'll, I'll Google my name and just see what YouTube. match comes up. YouTube. Yeah, and I'll be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I wrestled him even, you know. And, um, uh, but, but back then, you know, WWF was only paying one time. You got, they're paying you for the day. And so I was just like, uh, you know. I do what they say, but I would prefer uh, getting paid. You know, as much as I loved loved it and everything, I wanted to still, uh, you know, be able to make a living and you know pay my bills and everything like that. You know, of course, you know today is totally different than when we were there. Oh, you yeah. know, my son, my son was. We were talking about it. My my son's I'm close to six two, two seventy, big old guy. Jerry Briscoe is like a huge fan of his. You know. Um, you know, he's, he's tweeted out to Vince and, and Hunter about him. And I told him, I said, I want you to try to get that, uh, name and likeness and image, you know, contract with him. He's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's just, you know, he's young and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, what, it, you know, what they're doing is they're just trying to lock you up for when you graduate in four years that they'll have an opportunity to, you know, send you to their school and, you know, train you. And I said, but I don't know what their deals are, what they're paying them or how it works or whatever, but they have to be giving them some. I said, even if you're getting a thousand bucks a month, I said, you're in college right now. A thousand dollars a month is a lot of money for a college student, you know, just for you to wear their gear when you're out and to go to a show here or there. And, uh, you know, even Briscoe's like, you know, yeah, have your dad call the people he knows. He says, put my name on the application. He said, you know, if you want it, you know, well, I'll do whatever I can to help you. You know, but, you know, my, my son, he's, you know, I think he's probably leaning more towards uh, UFC and stuff like that. So, but he says, unless I can get like a million dollars a year, I said, well, you know, most mid-card guys are making a million dollars a year. <laughs> you know? AW, AW are paying stupid money at people at the moment. You should try to get in there. 
uh, yeah, I got some friends um, over there, and uh, um, uh, Jerry Lynn's one of the agents in the back, and uh, we talk uh, quite a bit, and you know, they haven't they haven't got anyone under that uh, contract yet, so maybe maybe there could be a first one, you know. You know, the pockets are deep enough for it. <laughs> but, you know, whatever he decides to do, I'm going to support him. So, you know, who would both my kids? The, the the Guardian of Chaos here, he said, this is the third time he's asked this question. You haven't seen it before. He heard the Harris brothers were tough as nails. Any WCW road stories? Oh, uh, Ron and Don? Um, Ron and Don Harris? Um, well... Me and Ron, Ron here, we all come from yeah. the same city. We all grew up together, and we didn't grow up together. Um, one of my ex girlfriends, uncle, and uncle was best friends with him growing up. Uh, so they're a few years older, maybe they're probably 10 years older than me. Um, and my ex girlfriend's father was older than them, so I meant, um, you know, we're all from the same area. I used to bounce at a club. They used to bounce at strip clubs when they were uh, working for ECW. And actually, you know what? I think I drove a taxi cab back in those days for, in Orlando. I would stop by and we would talk and just, you know, just BS about where we're at, what we're doing and stuff like that. And um, they were, then they got their deal as what Jacob and Eli Blue. Um, I wrestled them in Orlando um, for, I think it was a Thunder taping or something. And to be honest with you, they kept me in the whole entire match. And um, it's just, in wrestling, it's like a dance, you know? You got to know where you're going to go and where you need to be. And I always knew where to, you know, where to be and like they're gonna I know they're gonna go push me back into the corner I'm not fighting them I'm going I'm right there and boom my hands right there for them to throw me off and then to do what they're gonna do and this and that and um yeah I was 245 so I wasn't a little guy then I was in shape you know I could have been in there with anyone and they were right after it and then they they shook hand me out of the ring and did their finish on the other guy it literally was in there for like ten seconds. Uh, they were um they were light, you know. They I mean I, they they were they they took care of me, you know. I had no issues with them. They were always cool to me and everything. And um um after the match, they're like, man, we got to talk to the agents about you. But it was right there when everyone was getting fired. Uh, Kevin Sullivan probably was already sent home. Um, Mike Graham and um, they're trying to, you know, change everything. I think Kevin Nash was taking over the book then, and everything just went to went to shit basically. But um, you know, but they're like, oh, we could talk to agents about you because man, we've never wrestled anyone that was always in the right spot at every single time. You know, you know, it's just you know, it's an art. You know, just figuring out. You know, so it's, a, it's a, like a chess game, you know, what they're going to do. I try to stay a couple of moves ahead of them, you know, that way, you know, and have different variations in case something goes wrong, you know, where 
you know, my job is my job is to make them look like they're a million bucks, whether they're, you know, a buff bagwell when they're brand new that, you know, didn't, couldn't lace up his own boots. And, you know, the agents, <laughs> the agents would ask us, please make them look good. You know, it's, you know, it's bad when the agents walk up to you and say, can you do us a favor and please look, make them look good. Don't beat them up, make them look good. <laughs> you know, you know, so, but it's, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, they're great guys, though. Anything else, Big Daddy? Oh, I can talk for hours, though. I mean, <laughs> what about you? Uh, who's uh, what's your most memorable match on TV? Probably my best match on on TV was uh, Playboy Buddy Rose. Uh, no, is it is your most memorable or your your yeah, favorite or yeah, best I, match? The best match, I think it was long, and I think people actually really were convinced that I was going to beat them. They really were. Um, I had a lot to do, and, and that had a lot to do with the structure of the match, right? Well, yeah, well, we, I, yeah, called it in there, but um, I just knew the yeah, he was good, but, yeah, he was but, good, yeah, we um, that, that was the best TV match I ever had. It was, it was really good, um. You know, I, I had a couple good matches with uh, Wayne Ferris. We we uh, we had a couple good ones. My my famous ones though are are, are I I, re- I worked with Ted DiBiase the most on TV. Um, no, was he was he the million dollar man then? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wrestled them once and they stuck the hundred dollar bill in their mouth and then um, Sherry would come back and try to get it. I'm like swallowing that shit. Yeah, oh, you want the you want the hundred bucks? You gotta wait and get it back. <laughs> yeah, he he put me with him a lot, and he, he ran little little thing for me. Like uh, one time, he had Ted put the belt in front of me and go take a look at this gorgeous thing. Don't you wish you had it? And uh, from underneath, I kicked it up, and when he went to go grab it, I clocked him. You know, another time, you he know, was a great work. He's a great worker. Oh, oh great light, as a feather. I mean, just oh, I, I, great guy. Yeah. One time he held the money in front of me and said, you'll never see this kind of money in your life. Means I snatched the money out of his hands, started running outside the ring, and Mike Jones caught me on the other side, Virgil. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, my the fame is being Taker's debut match, but it, it wasn't memorable for me. It was maybe memorable for the fans, but um, I, I enjoyed being the Hart Foundation's debut match more. I enjoyed... I, I like talking about being Bundy's debut match because I was very close to Chris. Um, um, I just recently spent some time with Skinner. <laughs> Steve oh, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I was his debut yeah. match Skinner. Um, uh, Steve was great. Steve's a great guy. He's down here in Florida. Well, Were you down here in Florida recently or was he up there? No, he was here in Jersey. Oh, he was, was he? Oh, he's funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, I see I, him on Facebook all the time, you know, about um, about his father and everything. He was a, a genuine uh, hero, you know, so. Yeah, Barry and Billy. I'm pretty close to those guys, too. Oh, Darso? Yeah. And Billy Eady? Yeah, I wrestled uh, Barry Darso a few times. He was always, uh, he was par- always part of our um, – we used to um, – we did our TVs at um, Universal or Disney. We all 
played cards a lot. He was one of the guys that used to be in there playing cards with us. Great guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big, okay. I yeah that was that was quite a show there. It was the first time I was in the ring in seven years. I was quite rusty. In fact, I was the shits, but I was okay. I, now, did you? I think did you do? I'm not sure. I think he was there. Did you do the uh, Tuesday Night Titans? I did. Oh no, that was no, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah that with uh, I did that with Roma. And uh, Steve Lombardi. Uh, he owes me 20 bucks, by the way. Can we see him? Tell him Casey Thompson says, I want my 20 bucks plus interest. Who, Lombardi? No, Roma. Roma? Roma. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll deny it. Say he doesn't <laughs> yeah, owe me the 20 bucks. Yeah. My son my son was listening to the podcast. He come up and said, Dad, uh, it's 50-50. I said, what are you talking? He just comes up with these 50-50. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, I collected 20 bucks. We'll split it 50 50. <laughs> I was just like, just started laughing at him, you know? He's like, he's like, I'll take him. I'll take anybody. I'm a Division One wrestler. I just laughed at him. I said, nah, I said, <laughs> he says someone else owed it to me. I thought, he says I owed it to him, but I always just say he owes me 20 bucks. We were back from the WCW day. Because I remember we were playing cards that night. And I was like rubbing my head. I'm like, man, I said, why'd you have to freaking kick me so hard? He's like, man, I swear to God, that was Orndorff. It wasn't me. I watched the match back, and um, uh, Paul was stiff. Do you ever wrestle Orndorff? I did a stretcher for him. I wrestled him several times. All right, so you know how stiff he was. He wasn't – I mean, he he's not going to kill you. I mean, I'm not complaining, but, you know – the toe to the boot, you know, to the forehead, it, you're going to leave a lump the next day and you feel it for a week or so. And uh, Rome was like, nah, nah, man, I swear to God, that was that was Paul. It wasn't me. Uh, you know, I, that's not how I wrestle or whatever. I watched the match back and I see exactly. See, I was smart when I seen that I was wrestling Roma in Orndorff. I'm like, let me go over there first and uh, talk to him real quick where I can um, try to work something out before my partner has a chance. So I went over there and, and Orndorff's like, um, um, you know, this is before he was part of the um, an agent or the booking committee or anything, and he was just talent. And so we talked and, um, said, all right, we'll, um, we'll get in there, lock up, give me fireman's carry, whatever. And um, he just um, – uh, you, you know, uh, you know how the pile driver goes. Said, yeah, yeah. So, all right, make sure your uh, partner knows we're going to do the finish on him. I said, okay, no problem. Thank you, sir. And so, um, you know, uh, I just got to him first, and you know, you know how it, sometimes it's just political. You know, it's just you just know them, or you've wrestled them before. They know you, or they know someone that you wrestled, and they put a good word in for you. So they're like, you know what, you know, take care of this kid. He's going to do good for you. You know, give him a little something. My little thing I always did to make everyone I wrestled sell for me is I'm down on my all fours. I'm getting up, like working my way up their body. They're reaching up to grab my head. As soon as they reach up to grab the head, that little piece of fat right there underneath the armpit, you just smack that thing real hard. Every single person I ever wrestled sold for me doing that because I just chopped them as hard as I could in that spot. You know, they didn't like it because it, you know, hurt. But 
you know, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you got to do. They're not going to give it to you. You got to take it, you know? And, you know, sometimes one little thing just, you know, makes people remember you, you know? I used to wrestle for the Armstrongs a lot, and they're like, oh, man, you're as good as anyone up there, like as in name-wise. I said, what do you mean? They're like, you're on TV every week. And I used to wrestle for them in Alabama. You know, they ran their shows and everything. And um, I'm like, all right, if you say so. You know, so I got to wrestle the bullet once. And uh, I was able to wrestle all four of the Armstrongs, which not many people can say they've done that. And uh, on the bullet, I went, I got there early, got to the hotel they were staying at, went up to the room. There was a lot of smoking going on. And uh, the bullet was in there. I went up there, introduced. I said, how you doing? He said, oh, Casey, I heard a lot about you. He says, what do you want to do tonight? I said, well, why don't we start off slow and just taper down from there? He said, that sounds good to me. I said, well, whatever you want, just, just, you know, just call it. You know, you we'll do it. I, I just sent Paul Roma a message there, but I just sent Paul Roma a message, but he hasn't seen it. I was gonna, I was oh. gonna send him the link and get him to come on there, sort out the twenty dollars. <laughs> but get to um, the bottom of the story. There you go. But um, you know, um, that was a highlight to be able to wrestle someone like I mean, a great territory wrestler, you know, um. See, oh, that's still small. I can't even read it. About about Did either of you wrestle Macho Man or Hogan? Six times, Josh. I I wrestled. I I worked with Randy. I actually did a stretcher for him too. I uh, I, I worked Randy and the Hogan. Um, in WCW, Pee Wee Anderson was his referee. And the the big uh, news going around that everyone was hearing was Hogan's wrestling. Um an enhancement guy tomorrow. And so I went, I said, Hey, Pee Wee. I said, is it, is it news true? Hogan's wrestling someone. He's like, yeah. I said, I'll, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll give you my payday. If you can work, pull strings and it's me. And he's like, seriously. I said, I said, hundred percent. He's like, all right, it's you. The next day you go there. It said Casey Thompson, Hulk Hogan versus Casey Thompson. In ring, Casey Thompson, you know, versus Hulk Hogan, right? Everyone's like, "How'd you pull that off?" And I, oh no, I just played dumb. I don't know. And then you know how things change a million times. They end up putting Hogan and Savage together against Roma and Orndorff. And uh, so I had the night off. So I'm like, I looked around. And I said, "I'm gonna slide out of here just because I'm off." You know, I'm at, I'm in Orlando. I'm home, and I go from potentially wrestling Hogan to having the night off. I'm like, I'm still getting paid. I don't care. Right. To, Oh, we got you a match. I'm like, who is it? Oh, you're wrestling Vader again for like the hundredth time. And that's where, um, I told the story I told last time where after the match, he, he just had, he was such a careless, um, piece of shit it's uh, the only way to, to explain him he he didn't care about you know he didn't care about who 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 you hurt who you wrestled you know especially if you're an enhancement guy or job guy or you know undercard guy he's just gone there just beat the shit try to beat the shit out of you and so i was just he had me in the corner he's throwing those big hands 
playmakers, right? So I just, I'm just doubling up. I'm blocking them, and because um, I've wrestled them more times than probably any one person has, and so um, and this, and so we finished the match over, done. I'm in the back, and I'm like over it i'm livid i'm tired of uh his bullshit of constantly trying to kill people out there hurt people he hurt countless guys he's hurt countless guys that are probably still hurt today because his lack of knowing how to wrestle or knowing how to be a professional professionalism out there because he didn't care that's just my own opinion and i tell you i always say that i tell you it to be the truth that I know it to be. He is a was a piece of shit that cared nothing about but himself. So I was at the point where I was like, you know what? He came up, was like, "You right, kid?" I'm like, you know what? Screw you. He's like, what? I said, why don't you learn how to fucking wrestle, bro? I said, and, and there was a guy named Matthew Brady and uh, David Penzer, the ring announcer. They're like scattering out of the way. Because they're waiting for me to just get mopped up by him, you know? And I'm like, you know, he's like, well, I was punching you, but you wouldn't go down. I said, yeah, because you had me so close to the corner. The only way I could go down is down to my ass. And then you're going to start kneeing me in my face and break my nose or something. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, you know what? I said, why don't you learn how to work? I said, all you do, you, you don't know how to work. I said, you just go out there and bully everyone and just try to just kill people. He said, well, I, I put you over with flair. I said, I don't need you to put me over there. anybody. I said, I'm here for a reason. I said, because I know what I'm doing. I said, you're just a piece of shit that doesn't know how to wrestle. And I and he put his head down and walked away. And um, and that's I swear on the life of my children. That's the tr- this that's the gospel. I, you know, you know, I might sound might sound heartless, but when he passed away out you know i put him in the category with buzz sawyer and guys like that you know people are like you know some people loved him some people didn't i didn't like him i didn't i didn't think he you know i was talking to kevin solomon on the phone today i said kevin i said you know it's amazing there's different levels of like we take the undercard guys you know we're gonna get treated different by some guys than they would treat you you know and, and it's amazing, like, um, you know, they, they just sometimes they would either treat you, they've wrestled you a bunch of times, they know who you are, so they're cool with you, or they don't know who you are, so then they just treat you like you're a piece of trash, you know? It's just, this is how the, the wrestling business is and was and everything. And I've had it before where, you know, I, would, I was buddies with Scott Hall, you know, and uh, he was diamond stud then. And he is like, you know, we're calling. He, you know, we're gonna write up to a pay per view together. He's like, no, I just got a call from Vince. Just got offered a deal. I don't think I'm gonna go. Only I think I'm just going up to the pay per view to give my notice, and then I'm not even gonna wrestle. And I'm like, all right, you know, cool, man. Congratulations. And you know, he's always cool to me afterwards, even when he made it, you know, made it huge. You know, Scott was always the same, you know, the same guy. You know. Not everyone's like that, you know. You know, they get stardom and they think there's something, and they they change. You know, I'm sure you've seen it. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, you know, 
at the end of the day, we all started the same way. We we learn how to take a back bump. We learn how to chain wrestle. And then we learn the psychology of the business. And then we learn in there. And everyone starts off. The way I looked at it was this. I did jobs for an Alex Wright or for a Hugh Morris or Kevin Sullivan. Um, actually, I never wrestled Kevin on TV. He kept me away from him on purpose, I think. Um, or, you know, a boss man or something like that. Boss man and all. Everyone In the end, everyone was a job guy for Hogan. That's exactly what it was. Hogan was a star, and everyone was a job guy. It's just what part of the ladder of the job guy you were. And I did jobs for one. They did one for another. Everyone did the job for Hogan. They called it new meat for Hogan. When a new guy came in, he said, who's that? They'd say for Hogan. <laughs> that was the saying. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, he had to be a big monster, big monster heel for them to, you know, WCW, he was real selective who he wanted to work because, you know, he's older and he didn't want to work everyone. He didn't want to work Vader at first. What's that say? Did you ever Did you have ever to have shoot with anyone? Did you ever have to shoot? Um... Um, yeah, a lot of times, but not, I don't think on a TV that I can recall. Um, I think me and Alex got into a shoot for like about 20 seconds once. Alex, right. Um, nothing personal just because one of us forgot the, you know, the next spot or whatever. And he get mad and I get mad back and we tag each other a couple times or whatever. But um, I think that uh, I would just I'll try to stay out of those kind of. I always thought about it. I always thought about you know what what would happen if I went out there and just beat the shit out of this guy that I'm supposed to wrestle, you know? And of course, my career is going. Yeah, but what does it matter, really? What does it matter? Nowadays, I probably would get a job somewhere else, you know, uh, but I, I always thought about it. I'm like, you know, it, it always sat in the back of my head doing like, you know, man, I could, I could just scoop them up real quick. The referees are going to count because they're instructed to count the one, two, three, unless you pick your shoulder up, you know, and um, they're not going to stop, you know, especially in, in WWF, they might have. Because uh, with WCW, they're instructed. I've seen it happen before where they counted three because someone didn't get their shoulder up, you know, and the finisher was all screwed up or whatever. But, um, no, I mean, I've been in a lot of shoots, you know, you know, different, you know, independent shows. And and uh, I, I had one independent show. I was, me and my old partner were wrestling as the Exterminators. And I went out there and uh, put these two guys over for the first five minutes and then then they try to Hogan no show me when it was time for us to shine. And my partner was like, Oh shit, you guys better get out of here. Cause when Casey comes back in, I seen a screwdriver, I said, I'm gonna just cut their I'm gonna just stab them, cut their heads open. And um I got a hold of one of them to beat the shit out of them. You know, because you know what, I'm not gonna go make you look like a million bucks and then 
you're going to try to do that to me? I said, that's not going to play. And we just stretched them out. And there's a, a few guys that when I first started with Jerry Gray, I was like his little shooter that when he wanted someone stretched, he would put me in there with him and say, hey, stretch this guy. And I, I wrestled this. He, some, a lot of times there's people he wanted to run off or didn't pay their uh, bill for uh, their training because, you know, you know, which if there was more of that today would probably be better because a lot of guys now they get trained for two or three weeks and then they just leave and think they call themselves a wrestler. And that's what's corrupting and hurting our business so bad. So my, this, my job was when I ran and I trained people is I would beat the shit out of them so bad enough times to where, see if they came back, if they came back, then I would teach you how to become a wrestler and I train you properly. But for your first month or so, I'm going to um, just kill you and, you know, and do a thousand Hindu squats. But the thing is, I would do everything with them. So they couldn't say, they never, anyone I ever trained could never say that I wouldn't, I just stood there and just set up. Because anything I told them to do, I did the same thing. You know, so I would, I'd beat the shit out of them because I was trying to protect our business. Because I was brought in, the generation before me did the same thing, so I had to keep it going. And what happened is the next generation after me, they dropped the ball. They started letting all backyard guys in, all this stuff in, and that's what's ha- that's what happened is is they, you know, they started letting everybody in that shouldn't be in our business, and that's why we're in the situation that we are in you know the state of our business in my own belief you know if you have guys that would go out there and beat the shit out of people and run you on run you out of the business that don't with people that honestly truly don't belong that didn't finish getting trained properly and get the blessing from their trainer go ahead and go out and wrestle you know instead of rest you know training for two three weeks a month and think they know i can take i can do a couple moves and this and that and call themselves a wrestler all you're doing is tarnishing the business i always had a huge huge problem with that and that's probably why i wrestled stiff and because my because i was just going to run people off that that didn't deserve to to me i felt they didn't deserve to be in there because whatever reason they weren't trained properly you know they were disrespectful. They didn't. When when I sit in a locker room, and I've been wrestling 15 years, well, and I'm like the first or second person in there. Well, I expect someone's been wrestling a year to come up and shake my hand, and say hello, how are you doing, introduce himself. But if uh, Kevin Sullivan, Steve Kern, or someone like that, when I walk in, I go straight to them and say hello. It's a matter of respect, you know. And there's not that kind of respect anymore. And I think that has a lot to do with the state of the business, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, you know, and if I sit in that locker room and see Kevin Sullivan, Steve Kern, any, anyone of that kind of statute sitting in that locker room and I watch a kid come in and, you know, put his stuff down, start oiling up, start using his rubber bands and all that, but they don't go up to one of those guys one of those legends and shake his hand and, you know, try to pick his brain or, or, you know, show respect to him. 
I'll go to the promoter and say, hey, I want to wrestle this kid tonight. Why? Mm, just want to wrestle him. Try to help the kid out. I'll beat the shit out of him. Try to run him out of the business because, you know what? They don't deserve to be in the business. Right. You know, this business was built on respect. Yes. You know, how did Eddie Graham get along with Vince McMahon Sr. without respect? You know? Right. You know, you've, 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 I'm sure you've heard the stories before that they made Bob Backlund the champion off of a, what, a bet? Because um, uh, Vince McMahon Sr. says, I can take anyone and make him into a champion. And they wanted to send um, – um, Eddie Graham wanted to send Steve Kern up there because he thought Steve was ready for it, but he took Bob Backlund, the the least of the charismatic ones, and turned him into a world champion. It was all off of a bet, you know. So, but how do they get along without respect, you know? So if you know if there's no respect in the business. What's the point of it, right? That's right. You know, that, that's that's how I feel. So when I was young and I was active and I was wrestling, yeah, did they say when when they say Casey Thompson, did they say stiff? Yeah. Did they say asshole? Yeah. They couldn't say I wasn't a good worker. They didn't they couldn't say I didn't work hard, but they could call me stiff and they can call me an asshole, but they can call they also would call me a protector of our business because that was my job because my generation passed that on to me for me to protect our business now the next generation they dropped the ball so that's uh yeah i think i think a lot of things like uh the internet and social media and different things like that certainly did oh, help the business as well oh and absolutely then, and then when i was talking i was talking to someone recently i can't remember who said this but they said that wrestling died during the 1994 steroid trial when everything was laid out in the media big time across America and the world, you know, where guys had to, where they had to kind of strip down the business on all these big documentaries over in America and say, okay, well, this isn't real. This is scripted. This is what happens. A lot of people say still, that from, from okay, then I, it happened as well. I get that, but still there's always that 1% that still has I would wrestle like, and I learned this from Kevin Sullivan, and he learned it from the, the original Sheik. Okay, yeah, the people know it's a work, absolutely, but I'm not sure about that one guy. He just uh, something about him makes me think that you know he he might be real, you know, you know. So that's how I try to do it. Try to get a one percent to think that I was, you know you know, pick up a chair and, you know, hit you with it 30 times or, you know, pick up the table, you know, pick up a 20 foot beam from the ring or whatever it was to just try to make that one person, that 1% think that, you know what, wrestling might be fake, but Casey's not. That's what my goal was when I went out there to be a wrestler. In every match I wrestled in. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're kind of coming up to the end of the show now. So what I'm going to do is let Casey take it away and say, where can people find you on social media? What are you up to these days? And then Mario, same for yourself and Paradise Alley. So we'll start with you, Casey. Um, Instagram is uh, 
at Casey Thompson seven two. Uh, you're just gonna see a lot about my uh, uh, my kids, my son wrestling, lifting, extraordinary strong kid. Does you know my daughter? You know she's uh, going into college, so you know just, I'm just a proud father that you know that my life is my children, my kids, and uh, Instagram. Just Casey Thompson. See my picture. I don't know what it is, you know. But you know, I'm just 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 taking care of the family and just just trying to stay healthy, stay alive, and live another day, you know. But I enjoy to get out here and uh, be able to talk and rant and read for a couple minutes. And you know, like I said, like I always say, I, I will tell you the truth to what I know it to be known as. And Paul Roma, I want my 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll certainly let Roma know that as my partner at Paradise. He's going to tell you that I only him 20, I promise you. So you can find us on ParadiseAlleyProWrestling.com. We got a match coming up in a show coming up August 5th, uh, once again, at the Armada Brewing Company. And... Um, Scott Wilder and I uh, will be in August 26th. We will be in Shelton, Connecticut with uh, my buddy Tito Santana at a Taco Fest. Connecticut Taco <laughs> Fest. And, um, Is that a rib? No. No. <laughs> no, Tito, no, Tito will do anything for me. Tito loves me. Um, so we will be there at the Connecticut Taco Fest. Paradise Alley actually performs there. From noon to six, we stagger the matches, and um, you know that's that's what's coming up. Other than that, I teach Monday and Tuesday nights. If you're interested in becoming a pro wrestler, come on down to six six two Co Avenue in uh, East Haven, Connecticut. Um, I always tell everybody the same thing: you don't go on a car lot and say, "Listen, I want that car. Here's the check and the keys." You always give it a ride first. So. Um, uh, that's where Roma took the name from. Sylvester Stallone actually, um, we we co we copied Sylvester Stallone on Twitter, and he actually responded and said, "You took a page out of my book. I wish you guys the best of luck." Because we called it Paradise Alley. So, no, um, oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, um, it was great. You know, uh, love to have Casey on again. There's so much more we need to cover. But um, I wish you guys a safe and great good night. I do have a pod I do have another podcast coming up with uh, on Instagram on the 26th with um, Blake. You know Blake? I, I, yeah, he's, inter he's interviewed Mario. Oh, uh, okay. The, the yeah, kid I, that interviewed you. I did it. Yeah, on Instagram. Remember, he asked you like he asked you maybe a hundred questions. Oh yeah, you yeah, you're the one that said that was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I pass all my 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 podcast invitations. I they all go through Maurice. So and um, then I see and and the way I select them then is like okay, is this guy active, or is this guy's last show been out like six months to a year ago? And if they're active, that means they're serious. So. That's how I mean, he that. has um he has like one every couple days. I, I don't know exactly. what the deal is, but you know what? You know what? I'm I ain't got nothing doing. I'll do them. I don't mind getting my story out, telling people my perspective of wrestling. 
Why not? You know, you know, I'm not a bitter old, you know, guy. I, you know what? Was I a headliner? Not by any means, but you know what? I was in there with the best, the greatest, and I loved what I did. I'm proud of what I did, and I'm passionate about, you know, the business and, you know, keeping the business the way it should be. Absolutely. And I don't mind telling it to any, I don't, I don't mind telling it to anyone that's going to listen. Absolutely. Exactly. And I'd probably see you in a couple of weeks, Mario, and we'll be celebrating 1 million views on YouTube, which is crazy. There you go. Okay. So we'll have another show coming up. Right. Cheers, guys. All right.